you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant. Still fully vaccinated, still dodging variants like Neo in the Matrix. As always, we are joined by producer Justin and the specialist. It's a cast of dozens that helps us put this show together. But uh, just as importantly, uh, the man in the box to my, I guess, right? Left? I can know. I, I get all turned around from like... Little dirty little secret for those of you who watch the streaming show that we do from home. Uh, the boxes, as they're situated, are opposite of the way it looks. I know it's confusing. What I'm saying is Mike <laughs> Florio is here with me. That was a long roundabout way to introduce you, Florio. But uh, happy Monday. Uh, are, are any of your fantasy teams still fully functioning and healthy after this past week? Oof. Uh, fully functioning, yes. I have one team that I don't have a lot of injuries on, which sounds great until um, I tell you that I make the wrong starting lineup decision each week. Like, I benched <laughs> Chase Claypool last week, started him this week. It's just... It's been uh, it's been going wrong there, but yeah, so many injuries right now. So many injuries, and then to make it worse, uh, this week is by Mageddon, and uh, I'm yeah. sure we'll we'll probably dive into that more on Wednesday's show. Um, but you know, uh, in fact, I saw. Uh, friend of the program Scott Pianowski he does great work over at Yahoo he tweeted this morning uh, this week your team was all injured next week your team is all on a bye so um, <laughs> good luck to everybody out there of course we're here to try to help you through it try to help you along we'll uh, recap what happened uh, this past week we'll also ask which big name receivers should you consider trading away uh, we'll get you ready for buy mageddon as i mentioned with some waiver wire picks and we preview the bills and titans on monday night football but let's start with some fantasy headlines and we will begin with a trade, it actually happened. I, I, I had sort of given up on it. Uh, Zach Ertz gets traded to the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals, uh, not long before making that deal, had lost tight end Max Williams for the season with an injury. Um, I had written in my weekly sleepers column, I had Zach Ertz as a sleeper, and I think I started the paragraph with, well, it looks like Zach Ertz isn't going to get moved. Um, <laughs> and that take aged like hot milk, or like milk, I should say, in a hot car. Uh, sitting on the dashboard, but uh, he is in Arizona now. So now that that's happened, um, does he have tight end one potential for the rest of the season? I think he has tight end. I mean, there's like nine usable tight ends. So after that, yeah, I, I think he definitely is in the mix of tight ends who could round out the top 12. Uh, the only thing I think with Zach Ertz um, and this trade, Marcus, it didn't just confuse you. Like it broke some fantasy apps out there and a lot of people <laughs> having issues like what to do uh, with Zach Ertz this week. His stats from what he did in, in the game on Thursday night should be what counts, but I think um it's worth practicing patience with Ertz. Like, I don't know if I'd want to start him next week out of the gate, his first game uh, in this offense. I kind of want to see him get acclimated and be used and then once he is, then I think he is in the tight end one discussion. I think he's a better player than Max Williams, who was surprisingly fantasy relevant this year um they will use four wideouts but i think Ertz will be in play there and i think dallas goddard is a big winner as well because i don't think enough people realize Ertz has consistently out targeted goddard the last month in every game so with Ertz out of town now that makes goddard a clear top two target in that philly passing game and i think he is a tight end one moving forward for sure yeah i think that's that's maybe the biggest part is that we sort of get dallas goddard back in our lives after he was kind of splitting those opportunities with zach Ertz. I do think there's potential for Ertz. I think you're right. It may take a couple of weeks. Um, although I will I will tell you that I wouldn't be surprised if you see him in lineups this week just 
because people may need a tight end and, and he's as good an option as there is out there. But uh, you want to talk about an embarrassment of riches in that Arizona passing game. Uh, we'll dig into some of their wide receivers, but you know, you've got four really good wide receivers. Now you've added a tight end. You've got a couple of running backs who've been productive. Um, it, it is just more reason to love Kyler Murray in case you didn't already. Uh, and if you didn't, I don't really know where you've been. But, uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think Zach Ertz is going to be a guy that, that is going to help some managers along. I'm not going to say he's a league winner because I don't, I don't think that's no. the case. Uh, but, hey, the more tight ends we can get, the better, right? I feel like that's, that's always good news. Um, not good news down in Carolina. This is what happened over the weekend, and uh, we didn't get a chance to get to it, but we're getting to it now. Christian McCaffrey placed on injured reserve, still dealing with that nagging hamstring injury. And this, I mean, the simple question, Florio, is are we starting to fear that this is going to be a repeat of what we saw last year where it was always seeming like McCaffrey was close to coming back and just when we got excited, uh, he was gone again? Are we, are we worried about this? Maybe a little bit because he was practicing leading into week five. And remember, they were like, oh, there's a chance he could suit up this week. And we were like, oh, wow, he's only going to miss one game. Then they didn't. And we were like, okay, they're practicing caution here. We're cool with that because it gives him an extra week to rest. And then we could get him at 100% back in our lineups in week six. And then all of a sudden he's on IR, which tells me that at practice he likely suffered a setback and re-aggravated that injury so it's going to take longer to heal it's frustrating for sure I think you after seeing what happened last year you have to be a little concerned but last year was a bunch of different injuries like he had the hamstring then it was a high ankle uh then it was a shoulder so I think it is still a little bit different from last year and I know it could be risky Marcus but I am practicing like going out and trying to trade for him I haven't been able to pull it off in a league yet but if there's (laughs) someone out there with CMC who's two and four or something like that and starting to freak out and you have a winning record, I think you try to get CMC because, yeah, the next couple of weeks might be tough, but if he is back and anywhere close to 100% down the stretch and in the fantasy playoffs, that alone could win you a championship because I still believe when healthy, he is the best player in fantasy football. I, I have no doubt about that. It's just, you know, I know for a lot of people, the waiting is the hardest part. Uh, I have, you know, I have a fielded questions from people who are either being offered CMC or trying to trade him away just because I think they're sort of worried and tired of waiting. It is a really tough spot to be in. I'm in a league where I have McCaffrey and I haven't thought about making the move yet, but I am getting antsy trying to figure out how to fill that gap on a week-to-week basis. I will say this, Chuba Hubbard has been okay Um, He hasn't had the huge big game. His highest uh, score was actually yesterday against the Vikings. He gave you 13 and a half fantasy points. So it hasn't quite been as good as Mike Davis was. Um, But, you know, he's not he's not bottoming out on you, I guess, is is sort of the other side of it. So um, it's it's frustrating yet again. And we talked about this last week on the show. So at this point, after two years of this. I have a hard time thinking McCaffrey is going to be the consensus number one overall pick next year. I, I do not think he'll be consensus. I think that he'll be in the discussion still like, oh, should he go number one overall? But I'm right as of right now, I can't tell you it, that there's going to be a consensus. I think it might be one of those years where there's like three or four names and you kind of just have to take your pick. I probably agree with that. Uh, Derrick Henry's going to be in that mix. McCaffrey yeah. will be in that mix. What, Dalvin Cook maybe uh, in that mix as well? He could uh, be in there, yeah. Possibly as well. So uh, there you go. Um, one other piece of news that uh, happened this morning, Kareem Hunt. <sighs> To say this is likely going on injured reserve. He was carried off with a calf injury in the fourth quarter of their loss to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, this was in a game where they were already missing Nick Chubb with an injury. Now it looks like for at least the next three weeks, they probably won't have Kareem Hunt there. I mean, I guess the easy answer is, is there anybody, Dearness Johnson, Demetric Felton, is there anybody in that backfield uh, that you like without uh, Hunt and potentially Chubb next week? I think both of those backs should be added off the waiver wire. My preference as of now is the Ernest Johnson because I think the Ernest Johnson is more built to be a lead back and 
The Browns play on Thursday night. It is a quick turnaround for them. This is a game, like you said, they might be without Chubb and Hunt. And their quarterback needs to keep his left arm pinned to his body to be able to throw (laughs) right now. So I anticipate a lot of running if all three of those guys are banged up like they are, which I think the volume will then go to Dearness Johnson. But... Felton, who doesn't have a carry yet on the year, has been used in the passing game. So I think if Chubb is back either Thursday or maybe week eight, I think Felton then still has a role as that Kareem Hunt style of running back, the pass catcher for the Browns. So because of that, I I think Johnson's ceiling is higher, but I think Felton's floor the next three weeks is a little safer because he's not as impacted by Nick Chubb. So I think both of them, though, should be picked up as of now. Yeah, uh, Demetric Felton was a guy who uh, did catch some passes. He was a wide receiver for part of his career at UCLA, so he definitely could fill in in the passing game if need be. He ended up converting to running back after Josh Kelly left and was drafted. Uh, then Felton kind of went to the running back spot, and so that's sort of where he has been ever since then, but definitely could factor into the passing game uh, if the Browns need him to. But, man, that's it is a rough situation for Cleveland. It's rough for fantasy managers, and we'll, we'll keep an eye on that as we get to Thursday. Uh, Time now for things we learned after watching another Sunday of uh, NFL football, things that we have taken away from it to maybe help us and you get better at fantasy for the weeks to come. So uh, what's rolling around the noggin right now? I mean, the the talking point of this year has been like backup running backs with all the injuries. And I learned that like, yes, they are very much so worth your top waiver claims or worth a lot of fab off the waiver wire. Just look at this week alone. Daryl Williams was the RB6. Um, Khalil Herbert, RB10. Then you had Alex Collins at 16. Chris Evans somehow got in there at 17. Ramondre <laughs> Stevenson at 19. Devontae Booker at 23. So a lot of names in recent weeks that we have been talking about grabbing off the waiver wire are paying dividends. Chuba Hubbard was RB21. So, yeah, I know it's they're not giving us the production that their starters would be if they were out there and healthy, but they are helping you survive the injuries. They're definitely going to help you survive the bye weeks. And it's why I would take a shot on both of the Browns guys this week. And it's why I've been kind of in recent weeks preaching instead of having like a six wide receiver on your bench, grab one of these running backs that if the starter gets injured, they are going to see a big workload because it's been just paying off Each and every week, the top waiver guy is a backup running back who's elevated to a starting job, and we're seeing it pay dividends as people get them into their starting lineups. I know people have looked at the last few weeks and and sort of leaned on the, hey, this is a good, this turned out to be a good year to do zero RB. Uh, And I feel like you and I may have talked about this uh, at the beginning of the season that there's always an opportunity for these backup running backs, but I think the hard part of drafting zero RB, at least for me, is that you have to sort of guess right. you know, like I don't think anybody ever anticipated we'd be talking about Khalil Herbert uh, or Demetric Felton at this point in the season. So even the uh, astute zero RB folks out there, um, you know, I'm sure there's still some swings and misses. And to, I mean, there's a bunch of the top receivers have disappointed this year, too. Like if you went zero RB and took like Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins at the, at the turn, I'm sure you're not feeling great right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, Allen Robinson still is is looking yeah. for a, a decent game, and it hasn't happened for him either. So, yeah, that 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 does factor into it. Um, for me, I'm realizing that Sam Darnold has come back to earth. He's come back to reality. Uh, the last few weeks have not been very good. The first couple of weeks, not only was he you know throwing touchdowns, throwing for yards, he wasn't turning the football over. The last few weeks, that has changed dramatically. The turnovers have gone way up for Darnold. Some of it is on him. Some of it is just bad decision-making and poor throws. Some of it is playing behind an offensive line that is really struggling to protect him over the last few weeks. Uh, Two turnovers on Sunday, three turnovers the week before, uh, two the week before that. It really has sort of fallen apart uh, the last few weeks for Darnold. And so that hope that maybe... He could be a solid QB2 for you and carry you through Superflex or uh, or two QB leagues. While it's not dead, uh, the dream is flickering right now. So, um, look, if you're in one of those Superflex leagues, you're probably starting him because, again, Biomageddon's happening, but uh, the, the expectations, I think, are sort of lowered for Sam Darnold going forward. Um, I, I don't know how you... Darnold? I, yeah, how do you feel I, about I just, it? You could take Darnold off the Jets. You can't take the Jets out of Darnold. Apparently. Uh, <laughs> same with Robbie Anderson, too, because Robbie Anderson uh, still can't figure it out. That 
that's been the biggest head scratcher all year. Although I will say on Robbie Anderson, I actually put him in the waiver wire column this week as like a if he gets dropped, I'm okay still adding him, <laughs> only because I know he's still playing poorly. And I I had him as a drop a couple weeks ago, but he has 29 targets in his last three games, like. That's hard volume to ignore, but yeah, I don't think you could start him right now. Yeah, I mean they're trying to get him the ball. Um, he and DJ Moore he, just—he just forgot how hands work. Apparently, apparently that's the issue. That the Panthers' pass catchers yesterday had a really, really rough day. All right, it's time for a break. When we come back, we will look at some of the top performers and uh, we will sprinkle a little bit of salt on some folks who maybe let us down in Week Six. Stay tuned for that on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Taking a look at the week six top performers, your number one scorer, C.D. Lamb. I will tell you that I, I needed that in a league, but uh, the rest of my team was terrible, so it really didn't matter. But 36 <laughs> points out of C.D. Lamb. Cooper Cup continues to go strong. He had 34 points, was number two. Leonard Fournette comes in at third. Adam Thielen at number four. Well, his baby, his biggest game of the year. Jalen Waddell uh, is at number five. Jonathan Taylor in the second half. They figured out how to give him the football. He ends up with nearly 29 <laughs> fantasy points. Kirk Cousins is seven. Dak Prescott is at eight, although uh, maybe injured himself late in that game. Something to keep an eye on going forward. Joe Mixon at nine. Donovan Peoples-Jones slides in at number 10. Uh, one of the bigger surprises, I guess two touchdowns will do that for you, especially uh, when Odell Beckham Jr. ends up having to leave the game, temporarily at least, uh, with an injury. Uh, rest of them, uh, Kyler Murray is at 11. Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, by hook or by crook, he's going to get you 20 points. It wasn't pretty, but he gets you 25. Daryl Henderson, another solid game. Uh, Antonio Brown was at 17. Daryl Williams, a nice game, ends up at 18. Aaron Rodgers and Cortland Sutton end up rounding out the top 20. But let's go back and talk about Leonard Fournette. He was your number three scorer this week. And... If you look at his usage the last few weeks, it has been dominated by Leonard Fournette in the backfield. So, with that in mind, is he an RB1 for the rest of the season? I think so. I think there's a lot of people out there who will be like, no, he's not. He's an RB2. No way you... But, like, name me 12 running backs right now that you would take over Leonard Fournette. It's... Maybe it's borderline, but I think he is definitely in that discussion. You talk about the usage, Marcus. His last three games, 23, 16, and 28 touches. What I like most is he has at least five targets in all three of those games, and that is with Gio Bernard playing. He's got over 110 scrimmage yards in each of them. Uh, three touchdowns in his last two games combined. And again, He's just topping 20 fantasy points consistently as of late. So, yeah, I, I think with the usage he is seeing, it's funny. Time is a flat circle. Like, <laughs> last year we did this thing where it was, oh, is it Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette? And it, it came out like Leonard Fournette is the better of the two running backs, He's the, especially in the playoffs. And we all kind of thought, like, all right, he solidified himself. He had to win the job again this year. But, I mean, he's just proving that he is the back that, one, Tom Brady clearly trusts the most, and that goes a long way in Tampa Bay. And two, I think he's just the better all-around back of their three options there. He he really is because he, he gives you the straight-ahead, kind of between-the-tackles running ability that they want from Ronald Jones, but he gives you the pass-catching ability that you expect out of Gio Bernard. He is, you know, he is chocolate and peanut butter together, so I don't know why, <laughs> uh, why we can't get more excited about him. I think I really do think... For fantasy, we've just been scarred by Bruce Arians and the way he sort of uses these running backs. But uh, Leonard Fournette checks all the boxes, right? He's a starting running back who's getting the majority of the snaps, uh, who catches the football out of the backfield. He really, truly is everything we want. Um, it's just that we have dealt with a, with the Buccaneers sort of rotating guys through for the last few seasons, and I think we're sort of uh, a little bit wary of that. But right now, all signs point to this really belonging to uh, to Leonard Fournette there in Tampa. Um, 
in Arizona, we talked about the trade, uh, Zach Ertz going to the Cardinals, replacing the injured Max Williams. But as you pointed out, there are still four wide receivers there that are getting a lot of work. We know DeAndre Hopkins is, is going to be nuke. Uh, even if he's not putting up the monster video game numbers, he's still the first option in the passing game. Uh, Rondell Moore has become a nice guy to, to get touches to. They're manufacturing touches for him, however they can get him the football. And then sort of in the middle, you've got A.J. Green and Christian Kirk. And both of those guys had really good days on Sunday. And they've sort of been alternating, I feel like, you know, week on, week off. If you had to pick one for the rest of the year, who would it be? I would go with A.J. Green because he has been more consistent. Like, he had the one down game last week where he only had two targets. But besides that, he has six targets in every single game this year. Um, He has been consistently playing the second most snaps for them. And he has topped 16 fantasy points in three of his last four and over 13 and four of five. So he's been productive as well and consistently productive. I don't think his ceiling is as high as Christian Kirk's, but I think his floor is safer. The way I, because I had to write about AJ Green for like the fifth time in the waiver wire article (laughs) this year, like pick this guy up already so I could stop writing about him. But I said that I think Green brings the the best combination of a safe floor and a pretty high upside, whereas I think Christian Kirk has a lower floor but a little bit higher upside, and then Rondell Moore is just the swing-for-the-fence type of play. But I do think all four of them could be rostered in like a 12-team fantasy league. I absolutely think all four of them should be rostered. Uh, yeah, if you're, if you're anything above 10 teams, then all four of these guys should, should not be available on the waiver wire. And I would go with Green as well. I think a lot of what you said... Uh, is is what I'm feeling, that he does give you that safer week-to-week floor option. And I remember in the preseason, you know, preseason we know is when everybody is going to be great and everybody is going to have the best year of their careers. Uh, And Kyler Murray was saying, hey, guys, watch out. A.J. Green's going to be back. He's going to be productive. And I think we all were kind of like, yeah, all right, sure. But um, turned out to be right. And and A.J. Green is having a very nice season down in Arizona. Look, maybe there's something to him not having to carry the offense, knowing there are other guys around there that can pick up the slack and just kind of letting him do his thing. Whatever it is, uh, I feel better with his week-to-week consistency uh, than I do with with Christian Kirk. Uh, You know, I said at the beginning of the year, I'm sort of out on Christian Kirk, which is why he's having a good year. Um, so I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep my stance and I'm gonna go with AJ Green and <laughs> see how that works out. All right, so from the good to the not so good, that gets us to this week's version of I'm salty. The guys that we are disappointed with. Uh, for you, who let you down this week? I was originally gonna go with Frank Reich because he only gave Jonathan Taylor <laughs> three touches in the first half, and then people in my mentions are like, oh. Oh, you're happy with the end of the game results? And I'm like, stop it. You're all enablers. We shouldn't be rooting this on. <laughs> but Jonathan Taylor ended up playing well, so I switched it up. I'm going with Keenan Allen here. And Keenan Allen is someone that I was talking up all week saying, I know it's obvious to say that you should start this guy, but he hasn't been playing as well as we expected. Like, he doesn't have 20 fantasy points in a game this year. And this is a Ravens defense that has really struggled against slot receivers. Plus, Mike Williams was limited. Like, Mike Williams was on the sideline a bunch this past week. And the Chargers were down multiple scores throughout this game. So you would think... Game script, volume, everything breaks right for Keenan Allen, yet he comes away with just five catches for 50 yards and 10 fantasy points. He has not been the wide receiver one that we've drafted him to be. And in fact, I'm starting to think, is this guy more of a wide receiver two right now than a wide receiver one? Remember last year, Justin Herbert was peppering him with targets. That just hasn't been the case this year. Yeah, that was a huge disappointment yesterday, that game. Uh, I, I came into it with high hopes. One, just to kind of watch. I thought it was going to be an entertaining game, and the Ravens just ran them out of the building pretty much from the beginning. Uh, and you're right, with no Mike Williams, you would have expected more from Keenan Allen, and it just didn't happen. Um, so, like you, I had a name that I had to scratch out because things changed as the game progressed. Um, I was worried about Dak Prescott. I mean, early in the game, he threw an interception. He fumbled. Uh, it was not looking good. They were struggling to really generate any kind of offense against the Patriots. But then he figured it out, and he ended up with 26 fantasy points. Uh, and then C.D. Lamb had the big game. So I had to kind of scratch that name off my list. And instead, I turned to Taylor Heineke. 
Uh, and and maybe maybe I should have seen this coming. This is a thing that Adam Rank pointed out uh, later in the week last week that everybody seemed really big on Taylor Heineke. Everybody was picking on the Chiefs' defense. Uh, it just seemed too obvious, and so something bad was going to happen. And uh, there it is. Just about nine fantasy points out of Taylor Heineke after he had really been able to take advantage of good matchups. And you just see him just missing throws, just a lot of overthrows, just off all day. And Kansas City finally getting pressure on a quarterback. And so uh, Heineke was more an option in some of the super flex leagues I play in. But I really thought it would be better than it was yesterday. So maybe maybe I should be salty at myself for sort of uh, buying in on this. But... Uh, yeah, so I don't know. Is, it that, is that more the real Taylor Heineke, or was it the other guy, or is it in between? I think it's in between. I think this is part of Taylor Heineke, is that he's going to be inconsistent. Like, he's going to have some good days where we're like, all right, it was fun using him in fantasy, and I think he'll he'll disappoint like this. Uh, I was right there with you on, on him. I had him ranked as a, my QB 12 this week, and then Adam Rank pointed out, he said, whenever the fantasy community gets on a player, <laughs> you know it goes wrong, and, and he was right. But the one thing I was grateful for was Taylor Heineke did hit Ricky Seals Jones, uh, Ricky Seals Jones for that touchdown, and I was I was pretty excited about that because I used him in a league. But yeah, dis- that Chiefs game overall was disappointing. I would say I definitely would say so because I, I thought it was going to be a higher scoring game, kind of on both sides. Kansas City sort of lived up to it. Washington uh, definitely did not. But they, that was another team. They made a sweat like Mahomes and <laughs> and Hill, and they, it was all in the second half. Ah. Uh. It just can't be easy. It can never, ever be easy. <laughs> Ugh, anyway. Hey, are you following us on the TikTok? Because you should follow us on the TikTok. You can check us out at NFL Fantasy on TikTok. We're doing all sorts of fun and creative and uh, hopefully informative stuff there, too. I mean, we, we want to entertain, but hopefully we're, we're helping you out to uh, win some fantasy matchups uh, through the rest of the season. So check us out at NFL Fantasy. Uh, you can also, if you want, just check me out, too, at Marcus Grant. Um, I have, on the suggestion of my wife, been using the Succession theme song uh, for the last couple of TikToks. Shows back. I haven't even watched season or I haven't watched the episode one of the new season yet. Are you are you a succession watcher at all, Florio? Um, I started it over the summer and I need to I never finished it. I need to get back into it. Um I heard it gets really good. My only issue was all of the characters are very unlikable. They're on. they're all awful people. No, they're they're terrible, terrible people. <laughs> um but you do start to sort of gravitate toward one or the other. Um and okay. it is it's a it's a good story. They're uh they're all, you know. It's a well-written show. It's fun um, if you can stand horrible people being horrible to each other. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> all right. Um, hopefully, you're not horrible to people when you make trade offers, or hopefully they're not horrible to you when they offer you certain trade options. But uh, we got a handful of guys uh, that you should either be trading for or trading away to help make your team a little bit better. So let's start with the guys that maybe you want to bring in. Who's somebody that people should be trying to trade for right now? I think Calvin Ridley is a really good trade target right now. It's very possible that the person that drafted him is struggling out the gate. They could be like two and four or maybe even worse. And if that's the case, they might be feeling like they need to make a move. Calvin Ridley was off to a slow start, but he was still averaging over 10 targets per game. The air yards have been back up in recent games and the red zone targets have been going up as well. Plus, I know he missed that London game due to personal reasons, but we keep talking about Bymageddon and all the buys coming up. He has already had his buy, so you have him the rest of the way. He returned to practice today. I say go out and try to trade for Calvin Ridley right now because I think the best is still yet to come. I, I completely agree. I mean, we saw Kyle Pitts have the big game in London. I think Calvin Ridley is due for one of those big blow-up games as well. Uh, I would say a guy you want to trade for, though, is Daryl Henderson. And, um, yeah, it's funny. Somebody uh, recently, uh, speaking of TikTok, uh, did a TikTok where they talked about how Daryl Henderson has the chance to really help people win their leagues. Someone sent it to me saying that I should roast it. And I watched the whole thing and I'm like, no, this actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, (laughs) Daryl Henderson's getting a ton of opportunity in that backfield. He's playing about 75% of the snaps. Uh, He's getting most of the work. Occasionally they rotate Sony Michelle in to sort of give Henderson a breather, but he is the bona fide RB1, and the schedule the rest of the way is really nice, especially 
in the fantasy playoffs. Now, the fact that he's playing well means you probably are going to have to pay up to get him. You're going to have to give something of value away to get Daryl Henderson. But if you can work out a deal to bring him in, I absolutely think it's worth it uh, to ride with him the rest of the season. Uh, anybody else folks maybe should be trying to, to acquire at this point? I can't quit on him. Javante Williams, <laughs> like, I, I think he is the better running back of the two there in Denver. And I think as the season goes away, uh, goes on, he will, you know, get more and more work. So I'd be trying to trade for him right now before that ever happens. I, I agree. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting and waiting. And Melvin Gordon's hanging on. But I think I think that time is coming for Javante. Uh, I would say you also want to be trading for Chase Claypool. I know yesterday was not great that they get two catches for 17 yards or something like that. The number to look at is the seven targets. And the target share has gone up. Uh, quite a bit, even before Juju Smith-Schuster got hurt. But now with Juju gone, that target number has gone up quite a bit. It's a lot of like what you said about Robbie Anderson, Florio. The target number has been great, even if the production hasn't. And I, I'm still banking on, at some point, you're, you're feeding Chase Claypool this many targets. It's going to be okay. That's at least what and I believe. He, he was good the last two weeks before last night. Like, So he has been productive. And he had that one catch on the sideline where if he gets that second foot in, maybe we're feeling a little bit better about him today. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, all right, so those are the guys you want to trade for. Who is a guy that folks maybe should look to send away at this point? I know people are going to get upset about this, but I think you should be trading DeAndre Hopkins away. Look, DeAndre Hopkins is still a huge name, but the the name is not bringing in the type of volume that we would expect out of a what was a top five consensus top five wide receiver coming into the year. He's averaging just over six targets per game this year. His target share is down almost nine percent from what it was last season. The air yards are down dramatically. Um, his yards per game, Marcus, he's averaging just 61 yards per game right now. Last year was 88. The thing that is keeping him afloat right now is the six touchdowns. That is what he had all of last season. So his fantasy points per game is only a, a point and a half less than what it was last year. But I don't trust him to keep this touchdown pace up all year. And with the yards and the targets and the air yards and all of that down right now, I think you still could sell DeAndre Hopkins as a bona fide stud wide receiver one. And I would do so before people start catching on like, hey, them spreading the ball out here is actually having a negative effect on DeAndre Hopkins. Right. I mean, that's that's sort of the thing. We we love passing games where we know there are only a couple of real options there. Uh, and right now, that's definitely not Arizona. Um, well, speaking of big names that might anger people when you say trade them away, I'm going to say Nick Chubb. Um, and this was even before the injury happened that, that kept him out on Sunday. Um Yes, he is still a quality running back. And here's the thing. You can offer up Nick Chubb in a trade, and people aren't going to immediately uh, think you're trying to pull the wool over on them because he is still productive, and he's going to be productive. What worries me about Nick Chubb is that he doesn't catch the football anymore. He has five catches all year. Five. One, two, three, four, five. You can count them on one hand, the number of catches he has this year, which is by far the fewest of any running back in the top 25 at his position. All that work's going to Kareem Hunt. And on top of it, Hunt, when he's healthy, was getting work down near the goal line. And so once these guys are back together again in this backfield, I think it goes back to that. So maybe this is an opportunity to sort of you know, offer up Nick Chubb, get something back in return, and not feel like you're completely fleecing the other person on the other side. But I think long term, uh, I think Nick Chubb, especially late in the season, might not be where you want to go uh, in, in terms of your RB1. Uh, anybody else that people should be wary of right now? I completely agree with you on Nick Chubb, too. And and then another player I would be looking to trade is Adam Thielen. I know he had a great game yesterday, and I seem like an Adam Thielen hater, <laughs> but he's been his yards have been down now for a year and a half. Yesterday was nice to see that he got the yardage, but he's become kind of touchdown dependent. So I think now is the perfect time to strike. Like, he's coming off of this huge game. Go ahead and trade him now while people still think that he is like a top 15 or so wide receiver because I just don't value him as that. I think that he will have games like this, but he's also going to have games like he did the past couple of weeks where he's giving you single digits because he's not scoring a touchdown and pick, putting up less than 50 yards. Right. I, I'm with you on this because I think yesterday was sort of nice, but I just don't know that it's going to be a weekly thing with him. And at some point, the schedule is going to get a little bit tougher for the Vikings as well. So I, I worry about Thielen. Uh, I would also say T. Higgins. Higgins is a guy that maybe you want to send away at this point. And, and Higgins will have some nice games. I think it's I think he's sort of a lesser version of, of Adam Thielen in the sense that he's going to get some targets. He's going to have some games where he really does pop. 
but right now, when things are breaking down and Joe Burrow's in trouble, he's looking for Jamar Chase primarily. Uh, yeah, Tyler Boyd, who I really liked coming into the year, hasn't really been much to speak of at this point. So Higgins is sort of that he's sort of that mid shelf. Uh, you know, when you go to the bar, he's kind of that mid shelf liquor. You know, he's not the, he's not the top end. You're not reaching for the the high end stuff, and you're not getting well. Uh, he's kind of mid shelf, and so I think you know he's a, definitely a nice option to package. Again, you're not you're not necessarily fleecing the other person, but uh, I, I feel like there are more production productive options you can go out there and you can find uh, for for your fantasy roster for the rest of the season. Jamar Chase is one of those top shelf. Ones, yes, no. Though. Jamar Chase is, is absolutely top shelf. He's like you know blue label sort of thing. <laughs> like <laughs> like uh, he's gonna it's gonna hit you in the wallet if you're trying to acquire Jamar Chase at this point. <laughs> Uh, That's a good spot to uh, take a quick break. We'll come back and we will look at the waiver wire for week six by Mageddon. Or I should say uh, week seven uh, by Mageddon is coming. We're going to help you prepare for it. That's next on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Here are our week seven waiver wire targets. Florio, walk us through it, huh? Yeah, Tua Tungavailoa is my top quarterback ad this week. And then... Carson Wentz, I know he's Carson Wentz, but he has a really favorable schedule to help you through these buys the next couple of weeks. Justin Fields running a little bit more. Dearness Johnson and Demetri Felton, we spoke about them earlier, but I think both need to be rostered. Ramondre Stevenson, Devonta Freeman, Tyson Williams, some running backs that have played well and are going to be getting more usage. Uh, and then Jarek McKinnon and... Captain America, Chris Evans, round out the running backs there. Um, But we also got lots of receivers and tight ends as well that we are going to talk about. Rashad Bateman is my top ad of the week this week. He tied for the team lead in targets in his first game back. I really like his upside. T.Y. Hilton returned and led the Colts in targets. Amon Ross St. Brown saw seven targets once again for a third straight game. Miko Hardman has just been more involved than we expected as of late. Donovan Peoples-Jones had a big game. Khalif Raymond, Diami Brown, some deeper league options there. And then Ricky Seals-Jones, he's been getting good usage with Logan Thomas sideline. Jared Cook is on bye next week, but he's good for a touchdown. So when he's back and other tight ends are on bye, I think he will be in play. And then Mo Alley-Cox, again, a lot of buys this week. You're probably hoping for a touchdown if you need to stream a tight end. I like his chances of scoring, so I I included him as one of the waiver-wired tight ends this week. That's pretty much all you want when you're when you're looking for a tight end off the waiver wire. What what is this guy's <laughs> opportunity to potentially score a touchdown? Because um, you're you're not going to find a guy off the wire that's going to get you you know seven catches for eighty yards. It's just you know, maybe you fall into that. I wouldn't count on it. Um, so the Ravens backfield, uh, it it is it was straight out of twenty fifteen. Uh, Le'Veon Bell scored a touchdown, which is how the world found out that he's wearing number 17 now. And uh, the world apparently does not approve of Le'Veon Bell wearing (laughs) number 17 for whatever that's worth. Uh, But Tyson Williams, Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman, they're all sort of in the mix behind Latavius Murray there. And, you know, Murray, I know, got a little bit banged up as well. Of those other ones, though, which one do you trust the most? Uh, I I would go with Devonta Freeman, but it is tough. Latavius Murray, uh, John Harborough did say after the game, like it's not that serious of an injury. But my thinking was like his week seven is definitely in jeopardy, so I do think it's worth grabbing these other running backs off the waiver wire. Devonta Freeman has consistently been used as the RB two this year, and he I think his work is safest. So he is my top grab, but I think Tyson Williams could come in here and, you know, play one of the top two RB roles there. I just think he's more explosive than the other guys. Lev Bell, I'm leaving only for deep leagues, uh, but I would rank him Freeman, Williams, Bell of these three options here. I, I think I think I'm with you on that one. I know Freeman is maybe the one. Actually, my honest answer is none. 
but <laughs> but because, for the sake of this segment, uh, I'm going to go with Devontae Freeman. You, you look at the the Ravens carries from Sunday. Uh, Freeman had nine. Lamar Jackson had eight. Uh, Latavius Murray had nine. Le'Veon Bell had eight. I mean, that is zero clarity whatsoever. Uh, Freeman, Murray, Bell all scored rushing touchdowns, which I believe I, I think I saw on Twitter the last time that happened was sometime in 2015 where they all scored touchdowns on the same week. <laughs> um, it's just, it's a mess. I mean, the Ravens want to run the football. That part we know, but if they're really going to rotate you know, three or four guys in there, then then who knows? And, and the thing with Tyson Williams is that you just never know if he's going to end up being a healthy scratch in any given week. We've seen that already a couple times this year too, so that makes him really hard to trust i'm really at the point where i just kind of want to wash my hands of it but like i said if i had to pick one uh, i guess it's Devonte freeman but i don't i don't love it um justin fields the last week you said you wanted to see justin fields score more than nine points in a fantasy game <laughs> he did i think he had 13 yay um considering the injuries considering the buys um look i I'm, I'm not expecting you to say you're going to start him in a one-quarterback league, but a two-quarterback league, would you consider him this week? In a two-quarterback league, yeah, just because we're going to have so many teams on by that the uh, the options are going to be thinner, and it is a solid matchup against the Bucs. Um, but I still, if possible, would like to take a wait-and-see approach. I, I'm still a fan of holding on to this guy because I do think his ceiling is really high. Maybe at some point I need to give up on that, but... I think yesterday was encouraging because he ran more. Yesterday he rushed for 42 rushing yards, which was more than he rushed for in his first three starts combined. So that is a big part of his game that we were kind of waiting to let the Bears let him run more. I'm waiting to see more deep shots. I'm waiting just to see him play better and the Bears to put up actual offensive numbers. Uh, but I'm still preaching take a wait-and-see approach. In two quarterback leagues, you might not have another option next week. So I think he is in play in those formats. I think so. I think that's about the only way, though. Um, the Bears yeah. still have the worst passing offense in the league. Um, it fields 174 passing yards. It 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 is a struggle for them to play offense this year. And it's disappointing. I mean, I know we, again, maybe we were too excited about Justin Fields. Maybe, uh, maybe we should have listened to Matt Nagy. Maybe Matt Nagy should have given us a heads up. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's Matt it's Nagy really hard. thinks he's Andy Dalton, so where thinks <laughs> right. Justin Fields is Andy Dalton, right. so it's all it's all out of whack in Chicago. Oh, I mean, Allen Robinson doesn't have eleven fantasy points in a single game this year. Oh, just miserable. Like, yeah, remember when we thought that Justin Fields is going to be the best quarterback he's played with, and maybe he maybe he will be, <laughs> but right now he's definitely not. The issue is Allen Robinson will be playing somewhere else when Justin Fields comes into his own and is playing like we anticipated he would this year. That's right. Remember, remember Allen Robinson said how much he really didn't like the city of Chicago. Like this is making it <laughs> this is making it really easy for him to leave Chicago. At this this is his like get me out of here tour. Absolutely. Oh, man. All right. All that being said, knowing that everybody's going to be hitting the waiver wire really hard this week, who is your top waiver wire target in week six or week seven? Unless you're desperate for a running back, I think it should be Rashad Bateman. Like, I, I was excited about Bateman coming into the year, as I know a lot of people were. He was going in drafts in, like, the ninth or tenth round, and then he got injured, and, you know, we, we stopped drafting him. But you can get a guy who was, like, a ninth or tenth round pick on your roster as a waiver wire pickup right now. I know he only had four catches for 29 yards this week. That's not great, but... Tied for the team lead in targets, he played the second most snaps amongst their receivers, and he is a type of weapon like Lamar Jackson has never had before. He's a downfield threat, Lamar's had plenty of those, but he's a contested catch monster, and I think will be used a lot in the red zone. And again, kudos to Lamar Jackson, like yeah, he only had a throw for 167 passing yards yesterday, but he is passing way better than he gets credit for, and this is just a better passing in than I think a lot of people realize, so I do think there's room for... Andrews, Brown, and Rashad Bateman to all be fantasy relevant. Yeah, maybe the Ravens really are going to emphasize the passing game a little bit more. They've been telling us that for years. I I wanted to take a wait and see attitude, but maybe it's it's really starting to happen. Uh, I do Look like at who Bateman. their running backs are. Well, that that has something to do with it too. <laughs> uh, that's true. Uh, I do like the Bateman call. I'm going to go. I'm on Ross St. Brown, and I'm you know you want to talk about being a truther and hold it on to this one. Um, 
look, even if the production isn't always there, the targets are really starting to come for for St. Brown. Uh, you know, I came into the year thinking that maybe he would be the number two target in the offense. That was because I didn't think that, you know, that uh, DeAndre Swift is going to be the target monster that he has become. So right now, I think it's still uh, a safe bet that St. That Brown is the number three behind Swift and Hawkinson there. But on a team that's going to be playing from behind a lot, that's going to have to be throwing the football a lot, that means there's going to be a lot of opportunity. The only thing I would love would be some more yards after the catch numbers because just working out of the slot as Jared, with Jared Goff as your quarterback, you're not going to see a lot of air yards, so you're going to have to do it yourself. So that's maybe the one thing that uh, would concern me a little bit more, but the opportunity uh, seems to be there for, for St. Brown. Um, and again, it, it's like you said, though, Florio, if you don't need a running back. If you need running back, and a lot of people do, that should be your top priority. But if you are somehow set at that position, uh, then maybe you can look to a young wide receiver to kind of to kind of help you out a little bit. All right, so uh, if you want more waiver wire options, you can go check out Florio's column. He writes it every week, NFL.com slash waiver wire. He has uh, these names and some more on there with some analysis to kind of help you make your decision heading into the week. Let's take a look at Monday Night Football as we wrap up week six. The Bills and the Titans. Uh, this could be an entertaining game. Looks like it should be uh, a lot of fun. Um, we're still waiting for the really big Stefan Diggs game. Um, I, I know you said it was coming. I mean, that was one of your bold predictions. I don't know if it was even that bold uh, a prediction last week. So I guess I know the answer to this question, but I will ask it anyway because that's how the show works. Uh, will Stefan Diggs have his first 20-point game of the season tonight? I think so. And uh, I, what I really want to say is, like, he better because uh, <laughs> I, I need him and Josh Allen and some fantasy teams to come through for me. Um but I think he has a really good game tonight. Like, the thing about Stephon Diggs is the production hasn't been there. But up until last week, the volume has. Like, he's been seeing double-digit targets per game. The air yards, he was to- still top five in the NFL in air yards. And I know some people think of it as, like, a DeAndre Hopkins type of situation where the weapons blossoming around him is hurting Diggs. That would be the case, I would say, if the volume wasn't going his way. He just, they haven't been connecting for whatever reason this year. I think the fact that... Dawson Knox and Emmanuel Sanders have proven to be reliable pass catchers. Probably take some defensive attention away from Diggs. So if the volume is still going his way in what is the best matchup a wide receiver can have against the Titans. Sorry, producer Justin. (laughs) I think that Diggs gets 20 fantasy points. And if he doesn't, I'll probably just keep predicting it until he does. I mean, yeah, if you keep saying it, eventually you're going to be right, right? I mean, just <laughs> just like all the people who are saying Tom Brady is due for a fall-off. Like, one of these years, we're going to be right. I mean, you know, we might all be old and gray and on walkers when it happens, but whatever. You know uh, what's going to... You know what's going to happen with Brady? Like, I'm going to be like, all right, no more doubting him. And then that's going to be the year he falls. Of course. Yeah, the, the moment we all decide, <laughs> like, we just believe, then, then he'll fall apart. Um, I, I agree, though. I think, I think this is a big week coming for Stefan Diggs. Uh, we have seen some receivers have some big games against the Titans secondary this year. In fact, I think Mecole Hardman had a 100-yard game. I think Tyler Lockett might have had a 100-yard game. I, I may be getting this wrong, but I know there's some big games uh, that came against, uh, against this Tennessee secondary. I think Stefan Diggs can, can do that one as well um meanwhile though the titans have not given up a ton of yards on the ground uh so for zach moss who's getting most of the work for the bills i'm putting the over under at 65 rushing yards tonight over under uh zach moss 65 rushing yards i'm gonna say under that would be a a season high for him he does not have 65 rushing yards in the game this year while i i admitted i was wrong on david singletary being the lead back i think zach moss is the back that you most want to roster for fantasy purposes um Devin Singletary still has a role which limits the usage for Zach Moss. Moss is getting a little bit more targets and he's getting carries in the red zone, but they're still splitting carries. So I'm going to say he goes under there. I think it's more of a passing game for the Bills than a running game. I would agree. I'm going to go under as well, just because, like I said, the the, the Titans have been fairly good uh, against the run. And uh, I think that that is going to continue. By the way, uh, producer Justin pointed out it's not. It's probably Christian Kirk I'm thinking of. He had 70 yards and a couple touchdowns. Nuke Hopkins had 83 yards uh, and a couple of touchdowns as well. So, like I said, though, there, there have been some receivers having some nice games uh, against the Titans. But I'm going to go under on Zach Moss and his rushing yards. On the other side, 
Uh, Julio Jones is expected back. Now, I did see this morning that uh, A.J. Brown has been changed to questionable because he came down with an illness. So that's something maybe to sort of, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens when the inactives come out. But the expectation is that A.J. Brown will be there. So uh, believing that the Titans will have their two top receivers, who do you think has the bigger game? Is it A.J. Brown or is it Julio? I think it's A.J. Brown, but I say that with very little confidence because (laughs) he was already playing reduced snaps and now he's dealing with this illness. I wouldn't be surprised if Julio Jones is on a snap count too, though. Uh, An older receiver coming off of a hamstring injury. And the thing is, the Bills have been the toughest matchup for receivers this year, and it's not like they haven't played good receivers. They've played Tyreek Hill and Terry McLaurin and Brandon Cooks and a couple of others, and none of them topped 15 points against them. Only Mikkel Hardiman has. Uh, I think the Bills, with their safeties, are really good at stopping the deep ball. I think it'll be more uh, you know, underneath and catch after the run, which I think better suits A.J. Brown's skill set than Julio Jones. I, I agree with that, too. I'm going with, with A.J. Brown in this one, too. I feel like, well, they, they need to get both of these guys going, but I think they especially need to get A.J. Brown going to really get this offense kicking into to full gear, and we haven't really seen that yet. Um, the target share has sort of been there. Uh, what we've loved about A.J. Brown his first couple of years is that he's been incredibly efficient with a relatively small number of opportunities. And that hasn't happened this year. I do expect, though, that it's going to get better. Um, you know, we always talk about regression, and this would be, I guess the term is positive regression. I feel like we need another term, like progression. Can we call it that? I don't know. Anyway, uh, I, I think this is an opportunity for A.J. Brown to step up and have one of those A.J. Brown-type games uh, that we have not seen from neither he nor Julio Jones this year. Um, which, side note, are, are you at all worried that we haven't seen anything big from either one of those guys this year? A bit, yeah. Like, like we had one good yardage game out of Julio Jones. Um, I, I'm more concerned about that hamstring because he's you know getting up there in age. I, I still think both of them will be fine down the stretch but it it doesn't fully make sense to me I I think one thing Marcus that we kind of overlooked was the change in offensive coordinator here because it has hurt Ryan Tannehill and both of these receivers whereas Ryan Tannehill like when he had Arthur Smith you could set your watch by that guy like he was gonna throw multiple (laughs) passing touchdowns almost every week give you around 20 fantasy points he has multiple passing touchdowns in just one game all year so far uh, I remember I tweeted my concerns earlier in the year, and a whole bunch of people, mostly Raider fans, jumped in my mentions to say, well, it's Todd Downing's fault, uh, because Todd Downing was once the OC of the Raiders, and things did not go well that year, offensively, for uh, for the Silver <laughs> and Black. So they told me that I should have known better, because this is what Todd Downing does. I didn't know better. I didn't know that's what Todd Downing <laughs> does. So, anyway. Uh, should be an interesting one to watch, though. We will certainly come back and uh, talk about the fallout from that and get you ready uh, for the upcoming week uh, once we come back on Wednesday. Because in the meantime, for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, a fly without wings should be called a walk. Be safe. Take care of yourselves. <laughs> get vaccinated. And we will see you on Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 